Well, good morning. Um, I'm Kevin. Uh, I'm one of the elders here. Uh, it's really neat to see everybody wearing new Christmas clothes, new jeans. We still have like the little brand new threads that are sort of stuck to them in different places. Some people forget to take the size off, so it says, you know, 34 waist or whatever size. And David looked like this morning, I told him he looked like a mannequin in one of those trendy stores, only he has a beard. So then Shannon said, well, they, they should put beards on mannequins. So that's where the conversation went before worship practice stuff. So. Uh, and not the plastic he painted ones. Like a real beard should be on a mannequin. I think that'd be cool. Um, anyway. <laughs> Um, I, I, we're, we're taking a break in Galatians. We have been taking a break because we had a, a series where we're, we're learning uh, about God, and, uh, Jesus as fully God, fully man, um, who is coming again. Okay? And we took three weeks to do that. And we had guests. We had uh, Luke was one of them. Bill Jolly taught. And John Fichet uh, from Johnson City. Bill Jolly is also from Johnson City, a different church. Uh, and, and so we took a break doing that, and now and we're still on that break from Galatians. We're going to get back to Galatians next week, um, I believe. I, I think that's accurate information. We're going to get back into it, which is probably good because Galatians has been excellent and also difficult to get through. So now we've had you know, a lot of uh, 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 Christmas food and, and, and fudge, and, and we're in new clothes, and we'll be all ready for Galatians. It'll be great. Uh, so anyway, but today what we're talking about, well... You can see what the screen says. I actually want to start, uh, I want to take you somewhere. I want you to go with me, okay? Uh, I, I want you to imagine that you're uh, in, in, in a 69, uh, 1969 black VW bug, Volkswagen. Now, so, some of you are really young, so you know, like if you're 20 or something, you're like, well, I've never, I've been in a, yeah, I've been in a Volkswagen, but I'm not talking about the, like, the new ones. I'm talking about the really old ones. And these are really, uh, a really neat cars. It's kind of like the worst and best car ever made. I mean, best in that it's the simplest thing. You know, it's just a bunch of metal and there's a motor in the back. And that's about it. They put a couple of seats in there and stretch it over with some vinyl. And then there you go. Nothing's power in it at all whatsoever. I mean, you're just like steering, you know, you're pushing the brake. And, and however hard you push, that's how fast you stop. You know, that's it. And so this is, a, this is the old, the original slug bug, okay? And I want you to imagine this car uh, with a man behind the wheel, a 33-year-old man. And he's driving uh, up a, a really steep hill. A really steep hill because we're in a town in Alaska. This is a, this is a fishing town. Uh, this is a town where the industry is fishing. And then, and then there's, there's, there's logging, you know. There's, uh, uh, there, there, there are lumberjacks around. There are uh, fishermen around. And then, of course, there's a high uh, Native American population in this little island town in the southern part of Alaska. So we're driving, you're driving up the hill. Now, uh, Pete is the name of the man driving, okay? And he's driving uh, in this Volkswagen, and in the passenger seat is a woman named Dodie. Dodie is a, uh, a, of Native American heritage. She is, uh, her hair is bleach blonde. And she works in a beauty salon. I know that's probably not the right word for it, is it? That's, a, that's an old-fashioned. That's okay because we're like some 40-something years ago, okay? So I can use the word beauty shop. And she's sitting in the passenger seat. And they're on their way to one of the many uh, trailer parks in this town. 
this town had a lot of neighborhoods that were made up of trailer parks. So they get to the road, which is not paved, because a lot of the trailer parks had gravel roads. And, and we're familiar with these gravel roads. These, you know, we've got rock roads, that, that sort of composite rock, you know, that's gray that we have here. And where I'm from, my hometown of Texas, we have this white stuff they call caliche, and that's what they have on the roads. Well, up in Ketchikan, they had their kind of rock just on the road instead of it being paved. And they get up, and in the Volkswagen, you know, carries you up the hill really well. It's got an engine in the back. It's got good traction, uh, low, uh, you know, center of gravity. And so they pull in. But, but since the Volkswagen's light in the front, the engine's not in the front, uh, then a lot of times when you turn, then you kind of skip over some things. It doesn't really have traction in the turn, you know. Anyway, they, and so uh, some of the rocks kick up and hit the bottom of the Volkswagen. And they drive closer toward this trailer house. Now, they, they walk up the ramp to the door. This particular house has a ramp instead of stairs as they go up to the door. And they get it to the door, and it's the typical aluminum kind of uh, screen door, you know. The real thin aluminum kind, the rattly kind. And with a screen and, and, and some little uh, crossbars and... and, and uh, and, and, and what they were doing is, is the woman, Dodie, had told Pete that the man living in the house wanted a Bible study. Now, Pete uh, moved his family to Ketchikan. Uh, moved his family there for the purpose, basically, of, well, sort of replanting a church. There was an existing church there in and it was dwindling, and it was small, and, there was, and they didn't have a, a leader, and they, they didn't have uh, someone to, 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 to really kind of lead them into uh, growing. You know, it was, it was just dwindling. They didn't have a pastor. They didn't have a, a full-time minister is really what they called it in this particular tradition. They didn't really use the word pastor much. And, and he was that man. He was, and, he, and, and so the whole family was there as a young man, and this is part of his... This is part of his day, his daily routine, is, is going uh, and, and going to people's homes. And so, and, and so they get up to the door and they knock on the rattly, uh, that's actually not a real word, rattly, I guess, I don't know. That's, at least that's what Microsoft Word says, they put a big red line under it. So. The, the rickety, the rattling uh, aluminum door, knock on it, right? Because it's locked, you try to open it, it's locked. And the man, um, you know, is inside, and he's, he's behind the door, and, and Pete and Dodie are standing outside. They, they've, they're there basically to give this man what he wanted. Dodie said he wanted a Bible study. Uh, can we go ahead and bring up Colossians 12? We're in Colossians today. So I just want to read this first one real quick before we move on. Uh, Colossians 3, and, and I'm reading 12 through 14 right now. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, Forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, 
which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I get asked uh, often questions. Um, and it, this, this, this is from people uh, it, you know, in our church here in Legacy. Uh, and these are people who are not in Legacy. And, and I'm not the only one that gets these questions, but, but I do get them. Kevin. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. Let's say my name. Why, why do we have missional communities? Why do we do missional communities? You know, why is this something we focus on so much? Now, some of you might be here, uh, and you may be new. And so <laughs> you've never heard us talking about missional communities. And I'm glad you're here if you're new, because now you get, you're going to get to hear us talk about them. Uh, why do we talk so much about them? Why do we mention them all the time? Why are we investing so much time in them? Why are we investing so much energy? Uh, why are we training people uh, to lead them? Why are we leading them? Why do we want them to grow? Why do we want them to multiply? Why do we call them com communities on mission, missional communities? Why, why, uh, why, what is this all about? And so if you're new enough around here and you haven't heard us talk about, uh, about them, uh, you're probably wondering right now. Oh, you're probably asking those questions now. Why is he talking about that? And you may be, uh, uh, you know, fairly recent. Maybe you haven't been around much. Maybe you haven't been uh, connected with a community at all. And so you're, you're asking, I hear them mention them on Sunday morning. I don't know, I, I don't know you know, what, why is that? And some of you have been around a long, long time, and it's still a really good question, even if you have been around for a really long time. Um, well, we haven't been around for a really, really long time, but um, as a young church. Some of you are here from the beginning, maybe, you know. Maybe you were in the living room stage or in the basement stage or in the gym stage, and now we're in the uh, theater stage. Uh, I can't imagine what's next, but um, anyway, may, may, those, that's still a really good question. And when I was really thinking about this, I was ask, actually asking my question, this question to myself honestly. As I was opening up the word, I was, I was praying, and I'm still, that's still my prayer, that God would reveal to me why it is we're doing what we're doing, because if it isn't of Him, I don't want to do it anymore. If it isn't something that He's leading us into, then I, I want to stop. So that's my honest prayer. And, that, and, and what, as I was preparing for this, this is what I was doing. So this is a good question. Don't, don't, don't worry about it if you're asking that question. Or maybe this, maybe, maybe you kind of get, you've heard our ex, you know, explanations, you've heard people uh, you know, explain it here or there, maybe you've read books, uh, and, and so your question may be something more like this, isn't this, isn't this just the newest kind of modern edgy thing that churches are doing? And, uh, and, 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 is it, or, and that's true actually. Uh, and maybe uh, it's just a new way to reach uh, kind of a, a postmodern, you know, post-Christian sort of society. You know, this suspicious of church. Is that, isn't that all it is? Yeah, isn't that, isn't that why you're doing it? It's just a new way to do church. Like, it's a new way. It's a new thing. It's a reaction to something that's happening in, in, in our society. You know, it's an, it's an, it's an answer to some analysis of uh, some sort of social analysis of, of our culture in this, in this what some po call post-Christian or post-modern uh, culture that we live in. And there's a lot of truth to that. And, and, and if you look at books and, and, and if you've been to conferences or you, you know, get into podcasts, and I kind of get into the podcasts a lot. I, mean, I read some books, but I sure listen to a lot more hours of podcasts than I do read. And, and uh, um, 
boy, it's, it's out there everywhere. So it is the newest thing. It is edgy. So anyway, um, the man comes to the door. Uh, he looks suspicious. Because there's Pete and Dodie standing at the door. And, uh, you know, are they selling something? Pete introduces himself. And the man's name is Tony. Pete asks the man if he would like a Bible study. Tony says, heck no. Except he doesn't use the word heck. And that's one of the nicest words he uses. Heck no, I don't want a Bible study. But if you want to have some coffee, come on in. So they go in. Well, you know, as they're going in, Pete talks to Dodie. I thought they wanted a Bible study. Dodie says, yeah, well, he didn't tell me that. The Lord told me that. So there they are in his, in his uh, living room slash kitchen, in his, in his trailer house. He asks if instant is okay. This is back in the early 70s. So, you know, it, it wasn't as big of a social faux pas to drink instant. The art of coffee had not fully developed into what it is today. And my dad was an avid coffee drinker in all its forms, freeze-dried or not. And he was so good, he could, he could drive a car in, in the 70s. These are big cars. So a dashboard has a lot of surface. He could drive a car with a, with a, with a ceramic mug of coffee on it and, and keep it from falling. It'll, it'll slide back and forth. It's sort of like air hockey. As he's turning the corners, you know, he could keep it from spilling. And, and, and he'd been known to, to use the heat from the coffee cup to even defrost his windows. There was always something wrong with our cars. It seemed like the, the defroster was the thing that always went out. And, and a, in a Volkswagen, the defroster, forget it. They were supposed to, like, channel the heat from the back up to the front. It just didn't work. So a good coffee cup would work, you know, for a while. So my dad didn't mind, you know. He's, he's excited now. Get some coffee. Come on in, you know. So they went in and had coffee, and it was probably Sanka. If you're really young, I don't even know if you know what Sanka is. But it looks like little dark gravel kind of that you pour into a cup, and then when you put hot water, it turns into coffee. Let's read. I, I actually want to move on to, to uh, 15. Let's read verse 15 here. Um, now, before we, go, before we do that, um, I want to go back to, there, there are four words that, uh, that I'm going to be using um, and they all start with G. Isn't that cute? They all start with G. I got four words that start with G. David's smiling. Some of you don't, uh, you know, some of you will remember the words just because they all start with the same letter. That's not me, but some of you will. And the first word is go. Now, in Matthew, I'm not turning there uh, right now, but in Matthew 28, uh, 19, uh, Jesus says, uh, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Spirit, and the Holy uh, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now let's read Colossians uh, 15. 3.15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Kevin, why don't we, why don't we have missional communities? Okay. So, 
I want you to think about the word go. There's an idea in our culture, uh, and it dominates uh, most of our behavior. I would think, I, I, I mean, I, I would be really going out on a limb to say all, you know. But I would say overwhelmingly, most people's behavior is, is really shaped by this, uh, this idea. Uh, and it's in our culture specifically. American culture, Western culture, Western European culture, this is, this is what it's about. That peace, wholeness, comes from being an individual. That the more we can self-actualize, then the more value our lives will have. The more we distinguish ourselves from others, uh, the more value we add to ourselves. To be independent is really our ultimate goal. Now, it, it, we're steeped in it. We're, it is so a part of our just thoughts, our, our actions, our lives. It's so a part of it that, that it almost sounds weird. It almost sounds wrong for me to suggest that it's just an idea. That it's a man-made idea. It sounds weird for me to say it. Because we actually hold it to be a truth. That it is true. That the more we can know who we are, and, and the more we can distinguish ourselves from others, the more value we have to be independent is our ultimate goal. And that's as individuals. We think that of ourselves. We think that in our families. We do that as families. We lead our families that way sometimes. That our family needs to distinguish itself from all other families. That it needs to be independent and that that's its ultimate goal. And then as, and then as churches we do it. And then as people, it, church or not, just as Americans we do it. And as a country we do it. It is our ultimate goal. It was our ultimate goal. And I, actually I'm glad we're, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad that, that, that uh, you know, that we're, we're free. Okay, I don't want you to get weird, some weird idea that I'm not... We didn't need independence from England or whatever. I'm glad I don't have a British accent. It's cool. I like it when people have one. If you're British, then I love the accent. Uh, but, but what I'm saying, it, it was our ultimate goal, and it remains that. Okay? All right, so we're not much different from these people in uh, Colossae. These Colossians, um, they kind of had, had a similar problem. Okay? They were being deceived uh, to believe that they needed to be distinguished from each other uh, by having special knowledge and wisdom. And so there were false teachers, and they were teaching this. They were combining, uh, you know, uh, two, uh, they, were, they were combining a, a, a pagan religion with Christianity. They were making it very, you know, uh, they were taking the spiritual aspect of it, and they were saying, if you just had the secret knowledge, then you could be, well, you would be more special. You would be more distinguished. And that really Christ is not enough, that he, that's not enough. And for you to be his, his body, with him as your head, that's just not enough. You really need, you need to be special. You need to be different. And you need to sort of, well, kind of be independent. And so what Paul's doing in this part that we're in, we're in chapter 3 now. He spent the whole uh, first part of the, of the book to this church because he's talking to a church, correcting that bad 
doctrine, bad theology. That's what he's doing. He's saying, basically, it's all about, well, Christ is enough. And, uh, of course, um, being in his body is enough. It's enough. And so now what he's doing is he's talking about what it is to be that body. That's what he's doing. He's talking about that. And he's, he's letting them know that peace is found not in being independent, not in being special and distinguished, but it's in being, it's being found in the body with Christ as your head. That, that's what he's saying. Because in verse, I, I have to refer, refer to verse 15. He says, At, and, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. I kind of like that because he says, it says, and be thankful. And like it, basically. There's a, there's a, there's a guy at my, uh, that teaches, where I teach at my school, and, and he loves to say, and you'll like it. If someone's complaining, you know, well, I'm, I'll tell you I'm not taking any more extra kids in my class. And he always says, you will and you'll like it. Kind of what Paul's saying there. I mean, <laughs> you'll see what I mean uh, later. Okay, so we're we're not much different, but but it isn't true. It actually is not true. Peace does not come from being independent. That's not. It shouldn't be our ultimate goal. Uh, being uh, special, being distinguished uh, from others, uh, knowing ourselves really well. That's actually not going to bring us peace. Now, Tony was alone. Um, his family had distanced them from him. He was distanced from them. He, he was estranged from them. And there, were, there was some, there was a, he told a story about how, uh, uh, you know, that, that they, they had different beliefs or, uh, you know, and he had different reasons for it. But, but for whatever reason, they, they, he didn't see his family. He was alone there in that town. And he was a Vietnam vet, and, and he, had, he was confined to a wheelchair, uh, and and what, what had happened is he had, he had gotten drunk one night, which is what he did a lot uh, in, his, in his previous life. At, well, okay, in his previous walk. If I say his previous life, it sounds like I believe he has more than one. You get what I'm saying. Um, I'm not talking about reincarnation. He, he, he got drunk a lot, and, he, and he, got, he got in an accident. He slammed into someone's house. He broke his neck and woke up six weeks later and couldn't move uh, his legs. He was, he was paralyzed from the waist down. Uh, he, and so he's confined to this wheelchair. Uh, and I remember uh, uh, as a child that Tony had a, uh, a scar right here under his neck, at the base of his neck. Because when he, when he got, you know, his, his neck broken, it, it, sw- it swelled up. And he couldn't breathe. So, so they, they did that procedure where they cut so that he could breathe right there. And it, it, was, it was something that really stood out to me as a child. Uh, and, and Tony was actually told uh, that he would never be independent. Basically, he would, be, he would have to have 24-hour care for the rest of his life. That someone would have to do almost everything for him uh, all his life. And these are things that, that he was telling, um, telling my dad. Uh, Pete was my dad, by the way. Uh, 
you may have figured that out. But um, he had proved him wrong. He had proved the doctors wrong. He, he was independent. He lived there in that house alone. He could take care of himself. It was hard, but he could. But he didn't have peace. Let's read uh, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, my dad began to visit Tony on a regular basis for coffee. Um... My sister and I often went with him, and, and uh, one of the ways that my dad uh, served Tony uh, was that he would wash his feet. <clears throat> now, um, washing his feet, uh, you know, was not, that wasn't really meant to be a sort of symbolic teaching kind of thing, like, Tony, I want to teach you who Jesus is, let me wash your feet. It wasn't like I mean, it could have been that, but that wasn't, that wasn't the main reason. Tony couldn't reach his feet. So they never got clean. Now, I mean, he had, he, he had a way of taking a, you know, bathing himself uh, with, with a shower and, and all, but, but he couldn't really clean his feet. He couldn't uh, trim his nails, toenails, couldn't... Uh, clean under them, couldn't clean between, Cora's back there shuddering, <laughs> couldn't clean between his toes, couldn't clean his feet at all, he couldn't reach them. Uh, so unless somebody else did it, uh, then they didn't get clean. So my dad did that sometimes. He would wash his feet, he would trim his nails. Uh, he would uh, clean out from under his nails, and he would do that. Uh, and he did it on somewhat of a regular basis. I mean, it wasn't like he did it every week, but he he did do that. But could Tony began to 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 join us uh, for meals in our home. Now this is a big deal. Uh, Tony didn't leave his house often. Uh, the neighbors had complained because sometimes the kids would be running around his house playing, and if he did come out, uh, you know, he would kind of bark at them. And then they would go home, and it turned out what he was telling them is, if you let my, your kids play around my house anymore, I'm going to send them home in a black bag. You know, he'd say things like that. So he wasn't really reaching out to the neighbors. So my dad, to have meals with him, would have to carry him, pick him up, carry him, put him in the car. This is not a van that's equipped for this. this is, we're talking about a Volkswagen here. And then drive him to our house. We would, we would eat. He'd have to carry him up the steps so he didn't have a ramp. He began to eat with us in our, in our home. And Dodie would, was often a, 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 someone who would eat with us as well. He used to, uh, to paint by numbers. 
And he, he had these little, if you've ever gotten these little kits where there's a little canvas and a, and a drawing and then numbers and then a little set of paints. And, and, and he would give them to us. He started giving us gifts. Now, even though this, this man was pretty scary to some of the neighborhood kids, we were able to sit in his lap, which was a big deal. Because he was often afraid of having a lot of movement around him. He was afraid he, got, he might get knocked over and it couldn't get back up. So for him to have us in his lap was, was a big deal. My dad began to, to teach Tony about salvation. See, Tony had said many times, Jesus saved my life. Kept me from dying that day. Jesus began to, uh, Jesus did begin to, uh, my dad began to teach him um, about the cross. He began to teach him about real salvation and the reason that God had mercifully spared his life. To draw him to the cross about a Jesus who understood his pain, who intimately understood his pain, who understood loneliness, a Jesus who endured all of it for a, for a people. That he could know him. That he could know him. You see, Tony had told my dad, here's $50, give it to Jesus. You know him, right? Tony believed. One day my dad was teaching Tony about baptism. Tony said, I want to be baptized. Well, you can imagine this is not easy. See, Tony hadn't been in a bath or any, uh, you know, a tub of water in, 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 in many years. So my dad took him up to the church building, and there was a baptistry in this old church building. Filled it up. He lifted him up out of the chair, and he baptized him in, in the water. He immersed him by kneeling down with him in the, in the water. Later on, Tony said, I, I hope Jesus doesn't mind, but that water really, really felt good. It must have been heated. He hadn't been in water in a long time like that. He's had water trickling over him, but he'd never been immersed in water. He said he really enjoyed that water. Tony began to attend church services. Um, Tony wasn't churchy. Tony said a lot of cuss words. And he had a way of, sound, of saying them that made him sound more obscene, obscene than, than, than usual. I mean, it was like an art form. My dad had a talk with him about cussing around the ladies. About telling his stories about his old drunken exploits. My dad had a hard time with those stories. He could hardly stand them. He endured a lot of those things. Now, um, my two G words are give and then grow. Give and then grow. My dad had to give a lot. 
Tony. He had to give a lot of time. He had to buy some things for Tony. Tony began to grow. Now, um, so Kevin, why don't we do missional community? Why, why, why aren't we always talking about this? Isn't it just a group where uh, we can kind of get to know each other better? Is it, isn't it just a way for us to connect um, better than we can in a service like this? Or is it just a better way for a large church, which we're not, to sort of shrink itself and make itself smaller? Where people can still have connections with each other. Is it? Yes. It is. But what it really is for us as legacy is not a new idea. It's not new. This is as old as the hills. It's old. I want to read something from uh, a blog that, that Matt has wrote, written. Matt uh, Norman, one of our elders, he was leading worship today. See, missional communities give us a chance to go. When Matthew Jesus says go, that's the first word. And Matt says here in his blog, but you aren't swooping in to their lives to fix something. No, you're moving into their neighborhood to live with them. And our job is to bear with others in far from glamorous messes and to take incredible joy doing it. To go. Our missional communities are for, so that we can gather. So that we can have a place to gather. But Kevin, we gather here. Yes, and it's, an, it's a really important part of who we are. We do gather here. We gather every week. We're always going to do that. But it gives us a place to gather elsewhere. See, Tony didn't attend church services first. He gathered with my family in our home first. And they prayed, and, they got, and he got taught. He got discipled. Well, he got saved. And then, boy, he wanted to be in that church building every time the doors were open. He wanted to meet with the others. He wanted to be a part. He wanted to gather. He wanted to give. Only thing is, he thought that he could just give his $50 to Jesus and say, here, give this to Jesus. You know, you know him, right? <laughs> our missional communities give us a place to give. Not just our money. Yes, our money. But, and I'm not talking about the tithe. I'm talking about giving everything because it all belongs to him. Our time, our talent, our money, all of that. It gives us a great place. See, here you can give money, and you can give a little bit of service to kind of help the service. You know, you can, you can pray with people. You can pastor people to a certain level. You can set up. You can tear down. You can serve here. 
But I'm talking about a different kind of service. Can you wash someone's toes here? Yeah, I guess you can. I've never seen it done. I mean, can you help someone, you know, into the shower who can't walk? Can you do that here? Our missional communities give us a place to do that, give us a space to do that. How is that new? How is that edgy? See, there's nothing nothing new about this idea, and I don't want you to be, that's why I don't want you to be enamored by, by a sort of new idea when you hear. And, and here's the thing, in the next, in this coming year, you're going to hear a lot about our communities on mission. You're going to hear us talk about these communities. You're going to, and, and you may even hear a different name, and, and, and we're going to be talking a lot about what they are and, and, and who's leading them and where to get in touch with them, how to connect with them. You're going to hear all about it. You're going to hear more and more. And, I, and so I don't want you to get enamored by it as if it's a new thing. I don't want you to do that. I want you to be enamored by the king. I want you to be enamored by the king who went to a cross. A king who, as Matt pointed out, moved into our neighborhood to live. I want you to get excited about your first step toward Christ's rule as you're called to him in his body. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you indeed were called in one body. And be thankful. Let me ask you these questions. In what other context can you do these things that we read about in Colossians? In what other context can you bear with one another? Do you realize you have to have someone bother you before you can bear with them? Someone has to get on your nerves first. Sounds kind of funny for me to say that what you need is for some people to get on your nerves and to offend you. But it is what you need. Because this is how we image Christ. How, do you, how, do we, how are we daily transformed into the image of Christ? By walking as He walked. And the Bible says that that, and he said, Jesus said himself, that if you want to be great, you know, the greatest will be the servant of all. The greatest will be the one who serves. Well, he was the greatest, and he did serve. So really, what, what he's doing is empowering us to walk as he walked. It gives us a place to do that. And the only way to do that is to get around some people so that they can bother you, get on your nerves, and offend you sometimes. Because that's why Paul says, bearing with one another, if one has a complaint against the other, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So that means you need some people to have a complaint about you. Why? So that they can, you, you can forgive each other. And then he, said, he goes on to say, teaching and admonishing one another. In what other context can that happen? In one other context other than in our homes and with each other and living life together in our communities, in what other context can you teach one another and admonish one another? In this context, we can do it very little. 
We get, a, we get teaching, but it isn't the one another type of teaching. It's, it is an important type of teaching, it's the, and we're going to continue it, but it isn't the one another kind. Because David isn't talking back to me. He loves to talk back. He's not challenging me or que- asking me a lot of questions. He's not teaching me right at this moment. I'm not teaching him in a one another sense. So how else can we do it? How else can we warn each other? How else can we be thankful for people who get on our nerves? Paul says basically, I want you to get around some people you're not like. They're going to bother you. You're going to offend you. You're going to offend them. You're going to bother them. And you'll like it. Basically is what he says. And be thankful for it. You'll thank God for it. Because that's how we grow. Our missional communities give us a way to go. I love my cute G word. Give us a way to gather other than here. A way to grow. A way to give. If I were putting them in in the order that would be my favorite order, I would say go first. Then I'd say gather. Then I'd say give. Then I'd say grow. But I'd put grow last. Because a lot of times people think that you have to grow first, then go. Wrong. You don't have to do that first. You can go. You can go now. You will grow tremendously while you're doing it. And then there's one last thing I want to, I, I, I know I'm quoting Matt this morning. He's, he's famous now. He's got, I love his blog. And this, this last one was particularly good. And I just want to read this. I already read part of it. And then I just want to end with it. I just want to pray and end with this. Here we go. Okay. We're ascending church. And that includes our communities, by the way. Exclamation point he has there. And listen, Matt does not use an exclamation point often. Unless he's trying to be fun, like unless he's in a mocking way, he might use. But he chooses his exclamation points carefully. We're ascending church. But your heart must be set on the long haul somewhere. You're engaging messy people with a cosmic gospel that lives in everyday grit. Think about toes. And these groups are going to take a long haul, or they're going to take long haul faithfulness and endurance to succeed. Just like you, people will not get it at first. People will fumble and struggle. Repetition will be a way of life, but you aren't swooping in to fix their, to to their lives to fix something. No, you're moving into their neighborhood to live with them.